so impressed by the song that we just sang, I'd, I'd just like to invite you to pray with me as we come to a time in our service of opening God's Word together and asking God through His Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts today. Could you pray with me? Father, we're so thankful today for your grace, your blessings. As we reflect on and sing about and worship the name of Jesus, we're reminded what a wondrous and glorious Savior we know. And all that Jesus does in and through us to change us forever. And Lord, as we think about the things even that we're thankful for this coming week, we are thankful most of all for your gift of grace in our Savior, Jesus. And Lord, as we go to your word today, we just pray you'd open our minds and hearts to all that you'd have us to know and experience. And we would even leave this place today in changed in fresh and new ways because of who you are. For we ask in your precious name, and everybody say with me, amen and amen. All right, I want to move some things here. So great to be with you today. I don't get the opportunity, some of you know, uh, very often with a lot of traveling. Uh, but this has been our home church for um, many years now, about four, four and a half years or so, for our family and our daughter's family and... As I'm thinking about Thanksgiving, um, I just wanted to first of all thank you for, again, for your prayers and support of missionaries worldwide that our church supports in many, many different ways. And uh, as Luke mentioned, we'll be talking some more about that uh, this coming month, this next month. I am so thankful today for Grace Fellowship, for this church and this place, for, I'm even going to say for our pastor Luke and Emily and his family. Um, you know, this has, been a, this has been a hard time for pastors. I, I get to relate to and work with a lot of different pastors. And this has been a hard time for them to navigate the changes and the challenges, uh, to decide whether we stay open or whether we don't stay open and what we do. And, and, and most of all, how to just look and see the opportunities that God is laying before us in the midst of all we're going through. And let me ask you, do you believe that, that God is in the midst of everything we've been going through in the last six or eight months? He absolutely is. And we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that today. And, and I, I, I love just to point out that in many places, and even right here in Maricopa, God is doing great things right now that I guarantee you and won't hear about on the news, <laughs> but that God is doing great things. Um, I've, 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 I've got some pictures that I show once in a while or videos I love to watch. And you know, of, of places like Baltimore and New York and Philadelphia, where, where you see people gathering together in a place, and you, you think, first of all, well, maybe another protest or something, but really what they're doing is they're gathering together in prayer in these places where, where bad things have happened, but where they're looking to God and trusting God for good things to happen. And in these prayer gatherings, hundreds of people come in to know Christ the Savior. In the country of Venezuela, mass baptisms, uh, people coming to Christ in ways that they never had before. In California, think of all the things that are going on in California. 
big worship services at the beach and baptisms. And I remember seeing a video of a crowd of people marching across the Brooklyn Bridge. And you think, okay, here's another protest. And as they get closer, you see Jesus all over their shirts. And they're, they're singing the song, Waymaker, as they're marching all over the city. And right here where we live, if we will just look, God is doing great and wondrous things in our midst. And God is the kind of God that always works in the midst of challenging, troubling times to accomplish His will. And He does that mainly through His people who seek His face and who seek to walk with Him. Amen? So we have so many different things to be thankful for. And what I like to tell our pastors, Pastor Luke, we've talked about this, especially the church planners that I get to work with in northern Arizona, once in a while I hear them say, well... Now we're starting over. And I say, no, no, we're not starting over. We're moving on. There are opportunities before us that we've never had before. So we are, the church is not starting over. The church is moving on to even greater things in the days that, that we live in. So we're going to be in the Word of God in a couple of different scriptures. And uh, as you're turning to uh, Philippians chapter 4, to start with, I'm going to show you a picture here of one of our church planners up in northern Arizona. You have helped directly. This is Michael Campbell. Michael actually used to be a missionary for about 12 years in the country of Russia and in the Siberia area. And God led him several years ago to come and work with Navajo people in northern Arizona. He lives in Holbrook. He's a single guy. And uh, these are some of the, of the quilts and other things that uh, the ladies in our church and your church uh, uh, made for us. Uh, Anne Strong was one of the main ones who uh, made these available to us, and I delivered those to Mike and got a picture, and um, he just wanted me to be sure and thank you. Mike is the uh, pastor at one of our new Hopi churches in a place called Keems Canyon, and this is the only evangelical church actually in that part of Keems Canyon. And if you want to pray particularly for something in a certain place, we are looking for a native pastor to come and take over the work there. We, we, one, of our, one of our main strategies is to raise up native leaders from the very beginning to pastor, to lead, to take care of their own church and what we do, we want to do in a temporary way and move on. In fact, uh, just had a, um, I would have put his picture up if, if I had a little bit more notice, but one of our other planners up in that area in a place called Cornfields up north of Holbrook on the Navajo Res, which you know is very restricted right now, just got an email from him yesterday praising God that he will no longer be at Cornfields. Why? Because in the time that they've been restricted and he hasn't been able to go, but the people have had to stay, God has brought the hearts of the people to two new leaders in that church who he had already raised up and trained and to be the pastor. And during this time of quarantine, lockdown, and all that, he saw how God drew the hearts of the people to these new leaders. And now they are stepping in just in the way that he envisioned and prayed for to lead these churches forward. They already have a couple more started uh, as well. So, again, God, God's, God's working in the midst of all this. So, that is a little bit about the work that we get to do, the work that you pray for and support all over northern Arizona. And uh, so, especially in our Native American church planning, there's, there's, they just need a lot of prayers. But thank you for, for uh, your support there. And I think, I think they're busy making more blankets to come. So, appreciate that. All right. We're going to 
We're going to first of all turn to uh, a very basic scripture in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, uh, four verses 4 through 6. Where the Word of God tells us to rejoice in the Lord. How often? Once in a while, just when you feel like it, just when things are going good? Always. And then, it's as if Paul pauses for a moment as he writes this, and maybe thinks about how sometimes it's hard to do that, and sometimes you don't feel like doing that. And then he wrote, and again I say, rejoice. We have some, and again I say, moments when it's hard to rejoice, but we do anyway, right? Because we know God, who God is, and we know that he's still who he is, and he's still where he's always been, and again I say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. Why? Because the Lord is near. And so he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. What's the next two words? With, say with me, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And what's the promise? And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall do what? Shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The promises of God, the power of God is something so powerful, so life-changing. It surpasses our understanding. It's nothing that we can conjure up or, or do of ourselves. It is the touch of God, the hand of God, the miracle of God through his Holy Spirit and the way that he touches us with the peace that comes from him, the one who is our peace. But it's easy in that, in that verse where it talks about be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. It's easy to kind of skip over those two little words. Can I get a little bit of water? It's, it's easy, at least for me, to skip over those two little words with thanksgiving without really thinking about what it means. And we, we express our thanksgiving in many ways, don't we? Thanking God for our meal. Thanking God for our family, thanking God for many things. Uh, but sometimes we can do that maybe a little too casual, maybe without thinking deeply about what does it really mean and what does it look like to give true thanksgiving unto God. Well, a couple things about those two little words. One basic thing is that I think it refers to the privilege we have of bringing our needs before the Lord God. The one who spoke the universe into existence, having just the privilege to bring our needs before him and know that he's interested in every single need in our life. As small as you can think of, God is intimately interested in that need. And then I think with thanksgiving, even thanking God for the answers that are to come. Maybe even before they come, whatever the answers may be, God, I'm thanking you in advance that you've heard my prayer. And you're going to answer, I'm, and I stand, I stand in expectation and all of the answers that you're going to bring. But I think we can go even deeper than that in thinking about what does it mean when we pray with thanksgiving. Let's take a deeper look at, at thanksgiving, and we're going to go to the book of Isaiah. It could kind of lay alongside uh, this verse in, in Philippians 4. We're going to kind of concentrate and focus on the 12th chapter of the book of Isaiah today, which is a very interesting chapter. It follows chapter 11, which, which is one of the prophecies about the coming Messiah, that he would come from the root of Jesse. It talks about the child Emmanuel over in chapter 7 and chapter 8 
and, and it leads us up to, as it, talks, as it get, reveals the prophecies about the coming Messiah, the coming Savior of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, it, it leads up to chapter 12, which is really a psalm of thanksgiving. And it sounds like you're reading the psalms when you come to chapter 12. Because it's just a beautifully written, beautiful, powerful expression of thanksgiving to God. So let's read it together. Uh, and look in your Bible, and I'll just read from mine. Uh, chapter 12 of Isaiah. Then you will say on that day, and the day refers to what was just spoken about in, in a couple of previous chapters, the coming Messiah, the promise of the Savior of the world, the promise of God preserving a remnant of his people, of God not forsaking his people, of rejoicing in the deliverance of God and the truth of God. And on that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. For although you were angry with me, your anger is turned away. Verse 2, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be what? I'll not be afraid. Why? Before the Lord God is my strength, and my what? And my song. He has become my salvation. Therefore, you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. That's a very important verse. And in that day, you will say, Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the people, make them remember his name is exalted. Praise the Lord, verse 5, in song. For he has done what? Excellent things. Let this be known throughout the earth. Cry aloud and shout for joy, O inhabitant of Zion. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. What, what a beautiful look. What a deeper look at in God's word about what it really means to give thanks to God. And what true and deep thanksgiving is really all about. And so we're going to look at some things and first get a little bit of, of, of background. Isaiah 12 also relates to a couple of things in the history, Jewish history, and the history of God's people of Israel. One is it relates to the deliverance of God's people from slavery in Egypt. Just as Jesus shed his blood to become the perfect sacrifice for you and I to be delivered from being slaves to sin, this, this commemorates God leading his people out of captivity in Egypt. And when you go over to the, to the book of, Isaiah, of Exodus chapter 15, here's a verse from Exodus 15, the first couple of verses. It says, Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord. And they said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. We just read about that, didn't we? The horse and rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength, and my song. We just read about that in Isaiah 12, didn't we? And he has become my salvation. Very same words. Very same song. This is my God. I will praise him. My father's God. I will extol him. And then it also relates to what is known as the Feast of Tabernacles. And I had to ask Cody about how I could pronounce this word. Make sure I pronounce it right. Uh, but uh, there are a couple of things... I have it somewhere in my notes. Maybe a drop back room. Oh, here it is. <laughs> I wanted to read for you something about the Feast of Tabernacles. There are two ceremonies that were part of the last day 
of Sukkot. People carrying torches marched around the temple. They set their lights around the walls of the temple, indicating that Messiah would be a light to the Gentiles. Isaiah 49. A priest carried water from the pool of Siloam to the temple. Remember we read about the pouring out of the water? Symbolizing that when the Messiah comes, the whole earth will know God as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah 11, preceding this chapter we just read. When Jesus attended the Feast of Tabernacles in the last day of the feast, he said, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow within him. In John 7, 37 and 38. The next morning, when the torches were still burning, Jesus said, I am, what? The light of the world. Sukkoth represents the final harvest when all nations will share in the joy and blessings of God's kingdom. During that time, all believers will celebrate this feast. So that gives us a little bit of really good background about uh, this scripture from Isaiah uh, chapter 12. Then there's one more that I want to share with you from, from uh, Revelation where it talks about the tabernacle of God and in that day around the throne of God in the last days it has this beautiful description where it says behold the tabernacle of God is among men and he shall dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be among them. So within this beautiful scripture, this beautiful psalm in Isaiah 12, are those connections and that background that really brings this, this psalm to life. So here's the four things we're going to talk a little bit about today. The reason why we give our thanksgiving unto God. We give thanks to God because, I think at least for these four reasons. First of all, because he has turned his anger away from us. It says in verse 1, And that day you will say, I will give thanks to the Lord, to you, O Lord. For although you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. Now let me just ask us the question. Again, we give thanks to God for many things, don't we? When is the last time you thank God for his anger? When is the last time you thank God that he was not angry with you? That because of Jesus, the anger of God, the wrath of God has put, been put on the Lord Jesus, who came to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins, that who took his sins upon, took our sins upon himself, even the anger of God and the wrath of God put on him for our sake, that, that our unrighteousness would become righteous because of what Jesus did on the cross. Recall that actually propitiation in the Bible of how he became our sacrifice, how he took our place. In Romans 3, verse uh, 23 and 24, here's what we read. We've been studying in Romans. Here's a good verse from Romans. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And in Romans 5, we read this. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace, in which we stand and we exult in the hope and the glory of God. So everything in our life 
Everything in our Christian life points to grace, doesn't it? That's why I love the name of our church. <laughs> a church where each of us are becoming a part of a new beginning of what God is doing and building and growing in this place, a shining light in Maricopa, and we are meant to be a place of grace, just as God is all about grace, right? And so, because of Jesus, God has turned his wrath and anger away from me, and he's put that on his Son, on our Savior, nailed it to the cross, Jesus becoming the perfect sacrifice for my sin. It doesn't mean that God is still not angry with me in some other ways, perhaps, when I disappoint him. But that very wrath and anger of the Lord God has been put on the Lord Jesus. And I can thank God, as the people did, that he has turned his anger away. That his anger and his wrath is no longer on me when I come to the place of putting my faith and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we give thanks to God because he has turned his anger away. How about this one? We give thanks to him because he is... And he has become my salvation. Look in verses 2 and 3. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Then look again what it says. For the Lord God is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. I think it's important for us to understand a couple of things. So vital to understand about our salvation. First of all, remember the verse from Ephesians from Ephesians chapter 2, where it says, For by grace we have been saved, how? Through faith, not of ourselves, for it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, let no, that no one should boast. That actually our salvation, if it is from God, if it is His salvation, it is, in a sense, not even ours. In the sense that there's nothing I did to earn it. There's nothing I, I, I did uh, in, a, in, a, in a personal way, human way to receive it. But God, by His grace, gave me the gift of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we talk about our salvation. Thank you, God, for my salvation. And there's nothing wrong with, with that. We're praising God for the gift He's given us. Amen? But really... In a deep sense, it is His salvation because it is something that only He could do in my life. He gave me something only He can give. He touched me in a way that only God could touch me and change me from the inside out, could change my life forever. Even David in Psalm 51 in his Psalm of Repentance said, Restore to me the joy of thy salvation, not even my salvation. And so it really humbles us, I think, to remember that God's salvation is given to us as a gift. The sovereign God of all creation, in some way, has chosen even to work through my accepting of the gift. You know, uh, Colossians 2 verse 6 says, For just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in Him. But even when we received that gift, God already had it offered to us, didn't he? God already knew that we were going to receive it. God had already chosen us to, to receive it. But it's important to understand that he not only is my salvation, but that he has become my salvation. 
You know, those words just really kind of caused me to ponder for a minute. He has given me the greatest gift of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is His gift to me. In faith, I receive and accept His gift that changes my life forever. But that's not the end of it, is it? That's just the beginning of my new journey and my new walk with God because day by day in many, many ways throughout, hopefully throughout the rest of my life, He has become my salvation. It's what we call sanctification. He's at work in my life to make me more like Jesus. He's at work in my life to help me see things that maybe I still haven't turned over to Him. He is molding me and making me more into what He wants me to be. He has given me understandings from His Word to the Holy Spirit that I never had before. God is continually becoming my salvation, and I am coming to appreciate and understand in a deeper way all that that precious gift of salvation means to me. He has become my salvation. Amen? So I can thank Him for that. That He's turned His anger away, that He is, and that He has become my salvation. Here's the third thing. Because He has done excellent things. It talks about that in verses 4 and 5. And so let me just kind of ask us to kind of, let's make some responses for a minute. Has God done some excellent things in your life today? Tell us what some of those are. In a word, in a phrase, he has done excellent things. Healing. Healing. Amen. What else? Provision. provision. Amen. Healing, provision. What's some more excellent things he's done? Hope. Family, hope. Okay. Any more? Here's our chance to... Thank God together. Forgiveness. All right. This is our Thanksgiving table right here in this room. He has done excellent things. What's some more things? Friends. Friends. All right. Amen. He's what? Brought me to my knees where I belong. Brought me to, to where I belong. Amen. Amen. Well, verses 4 and 5 say, In that day you will say, Give thanks to the Lord. And then it talks about many of the ways in which we give thanks. We do what? We call on His name. We make known His deeds. We make them remember that His name is to be exalted. Because He has done excellent things. So think about that. Those are some ways that I express my thanksgiving to God. I give thanks to Him. I call on His name. There's another phrase so easy to kind of uh, pass by without thinking what it really means. What does it really mean to call on His name? Well, you know, in Scripture, almost every place that the name is used is not just a name by which we address the Lord God. The name always refers to at least two or three basic things. His character, His nature, and His authority. And so when I truly call on the name of the Lord God, I am submitting myself, I am respecting, I am believing, I am embracing His power, His nature, and His authority. I call upon His name. I make known His deeds. How do I do that? By what I talk about? 
by what's important to me, how I live my life, how I spend my money, how I treat my family, how, what my relationships are all about. I'm always looking for ways to make known his needs. You know, maybe it's all, maybe it's all about being so full of the love of God being so full of the love of the Lord Jesus, it's like the little saying that says, whenever you get bumped in life, what spills out? Well, if I'm full of bitterness that's, or unforgiveness, that's usually what's going to spill out, right, when I get bumped. But if I'm full of the Lord Jesus, if I'm full of the love of God, if I'm full of praise for the excellent things that he has done, when I get bumped in life, those are the things that spill out for. I find myself praising God no matter what in the midst of whatever I'm going through, because he is the God who has done excellent things. And then it says, make them remember. Make them remember. Would you say that we live today in a bit of a, for, of a forgetful world? They've forgotten the most important thing. They've forgotten, the world has forgotten the most important person, the most important savior, the one who reigns over their every breath every day. How do we cause people to remember who God is and what he's done? Our praise, our thanks. It causes them to remember, oh yeah, this points to God. Oh yeah, this is because of who God is and because of what he's done. And as we're around our families this coming week, I think there are some cases where we really desire to cause them to remember who God is. And one of the main ways that we do that is through our thanks. Interesting over in Luke chapter 19, the account of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, they, they waved the palm branches, they, they laid down their worship before him, welcoming the Messiah into the holy city. And the Pharisees came to Jesus and they basically told him, Tell your disciples to shut up. <laughs> I mean, they're making too much noise. They're making too much of a racket, rec, ruckus here. So tell them to be quiet. And you remember what Jesus' response were, was? If they were to be silent, even the rocks would cry out. How can we possibly be silent about the greatest gift of all? Luke and I were listening to this last week to a speaker at a meeting, and I like something he said about that verse. He said, I don't want the rocks to cry out for me. I don't want to be so silent, stepping back so much, that the rocks would cry out for me. I want to cry out for the Lord God, because he has done excellent things. In Psalm 89, verse 1, it says, I will sing of the loving kindness of the Lord forever. To all generations I will make known your faithfulness with my mouth. And here's the last thing. We give God thanks because he's turned his anger away. That he is and has become our salvation. That he has done, what kind of things? Excellent things that only he could do. And the last thing is, in the last verse, it says that he is great in our midst. Cry aloud and shout for joy, O inhabitant of Zion. It's another way that we give thanks to God, crying out, shouting for joy. For great in your midst 
is the Holy One of Israel. Great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. You know, there's something about those words that, that just shake us, that just get into us in a deep way to think about, what does that really mean? The Holy One of Israel is in your midst. Don't forget it. Cry out, shout for joy, because the very Holy One of Israel is in your midst. Here's a, here's a couple of ways to kind of look at that, I think, of what that looks like in our lives. And it'll be unique to all of us in so many ways. Sometimes there is a big difference between, and I've maybe shared this a little bit before, but I think we do this so easily in churches and even in our daily walk with God. There can be a big difference between doing something good for God compared to allowing God to do something great in and through us. Sometimes in our service, in our walk, we think about, you know, because of what God has done for me, I am indebted to Him. And that is true. But we find ourselves doing good things for God. The problem is they may not really represent what God is doing in and through us. And we think, I want to do this great thing for God as if He needs my help. He's God. He doesn't really need my help. He needs what? He needs my heart. He needs my heart. To say, God, I don't want to do just good things for you that you might bless and then I miss out on what you really want to do for me. God, help me not just to do good things, but God, help me to be aware of the great things that you want to do because you, Lord God, Holy One, are in my, you are in my midst. And it's really all about what you want to do in and through me. Sometimes we, we say to God, God, help me do this. God bless that. And if we were to listen, perhaps God would say, well, I'll bless that because it's good. You're doing a good thing. But I had something a whole lot better in store. And you missed it because you were just thinking about doing something good for me. And so we need to remember that the Holy One, the Holy One Israel is in our midst. And there's another way that, that this is so important. And that's when it comes to the challenges, the problems, the circumstances. How about all the things we've been going through the last several months. Where is God in the midst of that? Well, God is where He's always been. If I have that personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy One of Israel is in my midst. That means that wherever I go, what? He's there. Whatever I go through, He is already there waiting for me. And so when I face those problems, when I face those circumstances and uncertainties, instead of stepping away or instead of stepping aside in faith in what I know about the Lord God, I need to do what? I need to step into that storm. I need to step into those circumstances, knowing that the Holy One of Israel is already in my midst and He's right here with me. He's right here in me. He's right in the center of that storm. Because that's why it says that, that I don't need to be afraid, do I? Because of who He is and because of where He is all the time. The Lord God is in your midst. 
There's a song that, that, in fact, I just listened to the song yesterday. It's a song by Tisha Layton, and you probably heard it. And it talks about uh, the uh, promises of God, and it has some great, great uh, lyrics in the song. It says, Though the mountains may be moved into the sea, though the ground beneath me may crumble under me, I can hear the Father singing over me. It's going to be okay. And when, for me, when I get to that part of the song where I hear the words, it's going to be okay, I remember that there's been a lot of times I've said that, and even said that to people in the midst of crisis, it's going to be okay, but somehow it rings hollow. Because what does it mean to be okay? And what do I do in my life when it's not okay? And it's not going to be okay, maybe for a long time. Where is God in the midst of that? Exactly where he's always been. And I think there's something much deeper, rather than just saying, you know, he's in control, it's going to be okay. There's something very different and deeper about saying the Holy One of Israel is in my midst. And that brings me directly to the face of God, the promises of God, who God is and how he's at work in the midst of my circumstance and my situation. It just changes everything for me when I begin to look at God in that way. So I thank him that he's turned his anger away, that he is and has become my salvation, that he's done excellent things, and that he's always, in every situation of life, great in my midst and in my life and in my circumstances. I close with this verse going back to verse 2. Lift up a standard. Oops. Uh, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and what? Not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Thank you, God, so much for who you are, for what you've done, for what you've become to me. Let's pray together. As we pray, and we really come to uh, each Lord's Day when we gather together to really what is the most important time of our service. And that is to uh, think about the business that we perhaps need to do with God even before we leave this place. And even to think of this room as an altar, in a sense, of God speaking to my heart, of God revealing something to me that maybe is fresh and new, that, that maybe is the answer and hope that I've been looking for, and listening to Him and responding to Him right now in this moment. Can you say... Just a question to reflect on, the most important question in life. Can you say, behold, God is my salvation? That there is none, no other way to be saved, the Bible says, but through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only way to God. And so I know because of my faith in the Lord Jesus, placing my trust in Him as my personal Lord and Savior, that I can say God is, is my salvation today. Maybe you're not sure, but you'd like to be able to say that. 
and you'd like to pray right now where you are and where you sit, Lord God, I, I want you to be my salvation. I believe Jesus died for me on the cross and rose again. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to have the hope that only He can give. I want to experience the excellent things, Lord God, you have for me. So I put my trust today, right now, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I receive Him as my Lord and Savior. Can I say, as I close the service in prayer, can I say that the Lord has become my salvation? That He is daily and continually becoming more real to me? That I am walking deeper with Him? That I am discovering more of the truth of His Word? That I am walking closer in the Spirit? That He is continually becoming my salvation? Because He, the Scripture says, is my strength, and my song. And maybe close your prayer today by th saying, God, thank you that you truly are my strength and my song. Lord, thank you today. Thank you for giving us so very much, Lord, that we can continually, eternally be thankful for. And Lord, when we read those words with thanksgiving, help us to remember that it's really all about you and your grace and your gift in the Lord Jesus. And help us, Lord, to think deeply about what it means to give thanks to you. We thank you today that you've turned your anger away, that you've become and are our salvation. Lord, we thank you today that you are great in our midst and you have done truly excellent things in our lives today. We give you thanks, for you are our strength and you are our song. And it's in your mighty and powerful name we pray.